are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. I uh, hope you all have some fantastic plans for the weekend. There's a lot going on here in Auburn. There's a lot going on in the world of sports outside of Auburn, and we're going to talk about all of it today here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird. We've got a guest in studio. It's Lindsey Crosby, our go-to baseball guy if you will uh it's been a while since we've had him on but uh man it's nice to see you again i am thrilled to be here love you guys love coming on it's it's like old times being in this room yeah yeah it's, it's been uh, a minute it, it has been. it has been a minute when there's no baseball i am not needed by anybody <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not, not true that's not true I but see you on locked on auburn every monday <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is correct that is correct yes well of course if you've been listening to uh this program for any amount of time Lindsay has been joining me uh since i took over and it, it's awesome to talk baseball with him we are going to talk some baseball as uh it's right around the corner man i mean it, it's basically here like high school baseball starts uh next week which is crazy uh lee scott gets going we get started on the 23rd broadcast Auburn High starts on the 18th broadcasting and then of course Auburn University is right there as well and so we're going to get into all of that coming up here in just a couple of minutes maybe even dive into some uh, SEC football news as well while we have Lindsay here uh, what 30 45 minutes with you here in the first hour about about 45 Auburn has a scrimmage today at 315 and it's Joseph Gonzalez's first outing of the spring He's the expected Friday night guy, so we got to check out how's the shoulder doing after the scapula injury he had over the winter. Got you. So I know you got to get over there to that. So we are appreciative of your time uh, and your knowledge that we'll get from you in just a second. But uh, phone lines are open today. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, concerns for us or for Lindsey Crosby talking about Auburn baseball or anything else going on, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And Lindsay, let's jump into it, man. Auburn baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's it's here. Like scrimmages are happening, regular season right around the corner. What are some of the biggest storylines coming into 2023? So when you look at what you lost to the draft last year, you lost three fourths of your starting infield, including co-SEC player of the year, Sonny Deshera. You also lost uh three fourths of your starting rotation to the draft, as well as your top two mm-hmm. relievers in Carson Swilling and Blake Burkhalter. So it's been a lot of retooling and adjusting and the big issue you have right now is you have plenty of talent to replace what you lost you just don't have a ton of experience you bring in a fantastic recruiting class of freshmen uh, many of them top 200 commits that were considered to be high level MLB draft guys didn't lose anyone in the draft but they have never thrown in the SEC short of two fall scrimmages and so it's figuring out really the third pitching rotation spot who's mm-hmm. going to be that third starter and then how are you going to deploy everybody out of the bullpen be since you lost Swilling and Burkhalter as well as replace the production of those infielders specifically the power of Sonny Deshera a couple questions up in the air and I talked to the assistants on Thursday they still don't know Butch's whole thing this spring has been I want to let the players make the lineup 
And they do that by their performance. And guys just haven't separated themselves like the coaching staff thought they would yet. So we're going to see some mixing and matching even all the way into the season while they figure out who should be the starters. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Because when you say it like that, it could come off, and that's sort of where I went first, is, okay, if nobody has separated themselves, is that a good thing because they're all just that talented and nobody has taken that next step up, right? Or is it going in the other direction where, okay, nobody separated themselves, maybe it's time to start having some concerns? So it's a ton of talent. It really kind of determines, or it's based on how you want to do things, right? So... For example, third base. That's been a a big position battle between returning veteran Bryson Ware, was a junior college shortstop, came to Auburn, moved to the outfield, now back in the infield, uh, and and a, a true freshman infielder in Gavin Miller. And the issue is they're both doing very well, but it's what do you want to do? Bryson Ware, as a former shortstop, has the better defense, has the stronger arm, but offensively he's a little more challenged than Gavin Miller. And so Butch's preference as a pitching guy is I want to have the best possible defense out there. So Bryson Ware being the veteran, he'll probably get the start next Friday. But late in the game, if it's close, you're going to have to pinch hit for him and then put someone else in to replace him. So it's 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 conversations like that. It's what's the trade off of this guy versus that guy. We can roll with either one. We can make it work. We just have to figure out that at third base, that at second base. For the most part, we know what first base is going to be with Cooper McMurray, but still some shuffling between DH and first base, figuring out who goes in what spots. Haven't we seen Butch, I guess, at that, specifically that third base position? We've seen some times where they go with the better bat, like when they were trying to find a spot for Edouard Julian, mm-hmm. and he was played outfield as a freshman, I recall. He's early, played, he's played and then outfield. He played third. Mm-hmm. And he ended up getting drafted as a second baseman, right? If I'm recalling that, right? Yeah, and he's played mostly second base in the in the bigs. And I actually, on my other thing that I do, locked in to be prospects. One we call Edward Julian, the Canadian prospect god of walks, and then we have him projected to be uh, a starter for the Twins and better than Luis Arias, mm-hmm. who won the batting title last year. Kind right. of a hot take there, uh, but yeah, it's it's Butch's thing is it's a give and take between me and the rest of the coaches. And so Edward Julian, that was something where they went to Butch and said, we got to have him in the lineup. Where are you most willing to sacrifice the defense? And if you have a better shortstop with good range, they said, okay, we can put him at third base versus running the risk of having him at second. I think second probably would have been better, but they had a young hot shot recruit they wanted to put at second base. Uh, That's kind of the situation you have here with third and with second both. I do think it's going to be Caden Green uh, at at second, I think it's going to be Bryson Ware at third. But again, it's kind of up in the air, and it's just what do you want to do? Do you want to focus on defense? Do you want to focus on offense? And then what works best with your pitching staff? Because that's the other big question on this lineup or on this team is what are your pitchers going to look like this year? Yeah, and so, I, and I think like I think too, it's just every baseball team, every baseball season. I feel like you have to adjust and adjust your game plan a little bit based off of your talent, who you have, who you're, what league you're in, right? what conference you play in, the opponents that you're playing, whether you're going to focus more on the defensive side in the infield and the outfield or worry about more on, on your power hitting and just trying to generate more runs. Like You see that adjustment every single season. And, of course, we know Butch Thompson, one of the best coaches in all of college baseball, he's done an okay job at that so far. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's had some okay results. Yeah, he's and, been all right. Yeah, and despite that, Auburn still picked to finish, what, sixth in the SEC West this year by the, the SEC coaches. I asked Carl, 
Nunnemaker about that. He said, we're used to it by now. He's like, it's honestly, it's probably better this way. Yeah. That way, you know, we can come in and surprise people. But it's 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 going to be fun to see how that evolves over the course of the non-conference schedule. Just trying to figure out who goes where, getting play time for some of the talented freshmen. Gavin Miller's the best option there in the infield to get playing time. But uh, the pitching staff, you're going to see a lot of a lot more freshmen than you would have expected entering the season as far as mm-hmm. starting or piggybacking and coming in after a starter and those two guys together trying to cover a starter's load. And you'll see some guys start off as uh, maybe start on a Sunday and then turn around and come in as a piggyback on a Friday. It's just kind of the way it's going to work for Auburn while they figure out what works best on the pitching staff. So when you look at the SEC this year, the West looks absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. And is it? I made this statement yesterday, and you can tell me if I am just completely off base here. Or I asked the question: Is it possible that all seven in the West would slot in ahead of number four in the East in this Ooh, upcoming season? That's just a bit- lo- looking at the the two divisions and the way that everything's ordered that's I hadn't thought of it like that but when you look at it I think that's entirely possible kind of looking at at some of the stuff the team projected to be last in the west is Mississippi State who which won the crazy whole thing two by years the way ago. right yes. yeah. they won the whole thing two years ago yeah, yeah. really underwhelming last year uh, Very underwhelming last Lots year. Lots of injuries last year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Chris Lemonis usually does a pretty good job of having multiple options, but even he reached the end of this rope. It reminds me a lot of our 2021, where you had to go to plan D, E, and F with mm-hmm. your starting pitching, and a lot of valuable experience, which really paid off last year, but just maybe a year too early. I mean, Tennessee, Florida, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, I could see those four teams in the East making regional and then like you said all seven in the in the west absolutely ahead of them leaving off georgia kentucky missouri entirely realistic i think you could see 10 11 sec teams in a regional this year if it all breaks right out of conference is it shocking when you look at the way that the coaches poll shook out there were 11 picks for lsu who is the picked picked to be the western division champion to win the conference yep one for florida who was picked to come in second in the East, one for Ole Miss, who won the national championship last year, and then one for A&M, who, finished, who in this poll is second in the West. Zero for Tennessee. Is that feelings that these coaches may have towards that program? Or is is this something that could actually play out? Are they really a team that may win their division but not win the SEC? When you have pitching as good as Tennessee has, it's very difficult to say – yeah, I think they have no shot at winning the SEC. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's odd to me, but I do think you're a little bit right that there's some bad feelings towards Tony Vitello. He's a little bit brash at times. A little bit. I'll, I would say he's more than that. I'll remind you that an Auburn player hits a home run and you know does a modest little bat flip, and it happens to take weird bounces was, and bounces over towards their it was dugout. Bobby Pierce, right? It was Bobby Pierce. Yeah, yeah it was Bobby Barrels. Uh, it bounces over towards their dugout, and he takes it and just flings it into a crowd of Auburn uh, players celebrating the home run, just trying to give the bat back to them, is what he said he was doing. He chest bumped an umpire last year. He and Dave Van Horn went at each other two years ago. Dave Van Horn has been... who You saw Vitello come from Dave Van Horn's staff at Arkansas Mm -hmm. to get the Tennessee job, and they hate each other now. uh, Van Horn's preseason comments last year were some of the most interesting interesting things ever because it felt like 
it was all directed at Tennessee, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of uh, hate and vitriol directed towards Knoxville. Yeah, they have lost some offense, right? They lost Drew Gilbert, you know, some Gosh. of their their guys to to MLB, but. It's hard to count them out completely with the pitching being as good as it is. You know, having two guys on the first team all SEC squad as started st- starting pitchers, it's a luxury that we don't have. Auburn didn't have anybody on the first or the second team. But it's if I had to put LSU versus Tennessee, I probably would also have LSU winning the conference. Hmm. I think the the funniest vote getter in that entire thing was uh was probably old Miss. I just they're projected by the rest of the coaches to finish fourth, but somebody had them winning the SEC. It's, it just seems a little funny to me. Hey, they're just throwing a feeler out there, right? Just, I mean, they're just trying to see. Maybe you, get lucky. I was about to say, if you get it right, you get to say, <laughs> hey, I'm the only one that had them to win the SEC. Well, there was, and I if you get it Jake, wrong, nobody's – like, if you get it wrong, it's like, oh, well, I was wrong, oh, well. I don't even know who cast the vote, so like, I, I can't even make fun of the person. But I know you have a top five expected pick in Jacob Gonzalez at shortstop mm-hmm. for Ole Miss. I just don't think offensively you have enough after losing Tim Elko and some of these guys to, to make a deep run. But we've been wrong before. Everybody says this about Auburn. They said it about Auburn last year. Butch himself was talking to us a, a few weeks ago and said, I sat here a year ago and I didn't know how good Sonny the Sheriff was going to be. You know, going into the season last year, we didn't know if Nate LaRue was a better catcher or a pitcher. Yeah. And it just, these things have a way of working themselves out. Speaking and, of Nate, doesn't he have a new batting stance from what I've heard? Yeah, so, okay, so the explanation behind this, when you watch Nate LaRue now, you'll see that he's he, right-handed hitter, he's very open towards the pitcher. His, his left foot is out and back, mm-hmm. and he holds the bat almost even with his chest. And then as the pitcher comes through the windup, his, his foot closes and he gets into a more normal stance. He found out over the offseason that he's right eye dominant. Ah, and so when you're a right-handed hitter, your left eye faces the pitcher. Your right eye is a little occluded. And so opening the stance up lets, gives him, him, see. lets him see better. Huh. And you could see the I immediate results uh, in the fall. He was one of the better hitters for Auburn in the fall. It's always been something where he had great power, there was too much swing and miss, mm-hmm. and he didn't make enough quality contact. And we could never figure out why, because he's a, he's a big guy, huge arm. That I think that was the explanation. And so if I had to pick a breakout player as much as you can have a breakout player be Nate LaRue because he's already known for his great defense, I think his offense is going to hit another level this year. That makes sense, though, because like, I mean, I, I played growing up. I didn't play super long. I wish I would have played more, but I bat right-handed, but I'm right-eye dominant as well. So I could, that makes sense if I'm, I'm picturing it right now and you're looking right to to see it coming better like that just makes sense like to to turn towards the baseball so you can see it better so you got a better chance to hit it makes sense to me yeah I mean it's 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 a small change but that's what makes baseball so frustrating is he's been he's been hitting playing baseball for 17 years 16 years and never knew that until last season when he specifically somebody thought to specifically have him tested for that right because he couldn't figure out why his offense wasn't better is there a reasonable expectation that we could see his average jump from his previous I guess highs of his Auburn career I feel like it's much more likely that he bats over 300 uh, double digit double digit home runs like like I said I have him as my offensive breakout player hmm. uh, and he's going to be in the lineup almost every I mean, single day if he does that we're talking about a potential pretty high draft pick and he got with him he got some attention last year that's what I thought he, I thought he was making teams, some noise and yeah. he had 220 well, well right around 200 
right around 200, he had some teams call him about the back end of the draft and and taking him late and giving him an overslot for the back end of the draft deal, and he turned it down to come back. And I I I've tried to find a way to to do a, a MLB mock draft kind of thing on my podcast and talk about college guys who I think are going to pop so I can make sure I have it on tape that I'm saying Nate LaRue is going to <laughs> is going to end up being a top five rounds draft pick in 2023 trying to call your shot okay exactly there you exactly go. and it's because I happen to have the, inside he info. has all of the other tools and mm-hmm. the batting if the contact comes along then which I mean, yeah, teams will be salivating yeah the raw power is somewhere between above average and plus the arm is a Somewhere probably a sixty-five or a seventy grade, so elite mm-hmm. on the tool. I mean, he's a he was a pitcher who hit ninety-six. Our best ERA of any pitcher last year, Nate Larue. He didn't have enough <laughs> innings to qualify, but he pitched early in the season. Had an ERA, I want to say under two, under two and a half. That sounds right. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the best pitchers on the team last year was Nate Larue because the arm is real, the defense is real. I've watched him back pick enough guys where I am salivating <laughs> over watching him play Vanderbilt. And Enrique Bradfield. Yeah, well, you, when you talk about him making a slight adjustment to his batting stance and it possibly being the difference between him being a 200 versus 300 batting average, it reminds me of golf, right? It's the same way. It takes one tiny little change, can make your score drop by four or five strokes. So, uh, talking Auburn baseball with Lindsey Crosby here on the Friday edition of On the Line. We've got him here for almost all of our number one. When we come back, we'll look forward to some more of the season. Then, we'll maybe get into some... Uh, uh, SEC football news that re- that is sort of related with Auburn about teams joining the SEC. All that coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, talking Auburn baseball with Lindsey Crosby in the studio as we preview the 2023 season. It is on the horizon. We can see it coming. It is so close. And we were talking a lot of hitting uh, in that first segment with Auburn, talking about some of the new faces, who is uh, maybe going to be in the lineup for Auburn. But let's transition to the pitching side of things, where Auburn uh, could use uh, some, some help and maybe see some new new guys in there see some new rotations what's gonna what's this pitching rotation gonna look like for Auburn in 2023 Lindsay so the first weekend you're probably gonna see Joseph Gonzalez assuming mm-hmm. everything goes well today with his start you'll see him sinker baller junior from Puerto Rico he's on MLB draft boards as one of those back of the rotation types who can eat a ton of innings right mm-hmm. uh, he he just goes out there, induces ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. He's a known quantity. He's like a diesel engine. A little bit slow to start up, but he's going to be fine this year. Chase Alsup's moved from the bullpen to the rotation. Uh, sophomore out of Dothan, I believe. And has more of that classic velo you're looking for, right? Sits 94 to 96, has a slider in the low 80s, a curveball in the upper 70s. So good pitch shapes, gives hitters a lot of different things to look at. The thing that I'm really kind of concerned about with Chase Alsop, and not like in a bad way, just in a critical sense of how I look at baseball, is every time I've watched him as a starter, and granted most of these were the fall, but I felt like his velo dropped a little bit sooner in the outing than I would have loved. Mm -hmm. You know, so against Alabama in the second one, I want to say it was around the third inning. He started sitting low 90s, 92, 93, versus the 95, 96, touching 97. 
And some of that may have been the, the, the chill. Some of that may have been he just wasn't stretched out yet. Something I'm definitely going to be watching for this weekend and tomorrow's inner squad is how he looks to know about next weekend. The third spot, we don't really know. It's <laughs> there is awesome. Love yes, that. There's a ton of options. Uh, your, your two favorites in the clubhouse, I think, are going to be both true freshmen, lefty Drew Nelson and lefty Zach Crotchfeld. Completely different types of pitchers as far as Nelson is one of those, I'm going to call him crafty even though he's a freshman, but one of those, his fastball sits just under 90 miles an hour. He averages like 89 on it, but he's got a slider with really good shape, kind of a shorter arm action, disguises things really well, but just gets tons of ground ball outs. I've seen him now at two spring games, and the second one, he goes four innings scoreless. Hmm. Now, he only strikes out like one or two guys, but nobody's squaring the ball up. He's just The ball's constantly darting under the bat, or the timing's off, he elevates the fastball, and they can't get to it. Which I'm totally fine with. I don't need, if as a watching well, baseball, my, my pitcher, like, I don't need a bunch of strikeouts. If you're forcing ground balls and we're making plays in the infield, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I would now you would like to have a very good defense. I mean, we've, we've seen some teams in the past that kind of have a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily at Auburn. But the defense is really bad, and then you run into issues that that way. There was somebody last year in the SEC that had serious defense issues. Was it Vandy last year that was bad on defense? It wasn't Vandy. I remember this because I, I remember talking about it with you guys, actually. Yeah. I want to say it was, was it Arkansas? That's the name. That, that's the team that was popping up in my head just now, that, was Arkansas. That, that was inducing a ton of contact, but outside of second base, just really didn't have any good defense. Any good defenders. Right. I want to say when they played Auburn, Auburn had three or four or five hits that should have been outs that were either registered as errors or were just missed plays. And so I I think Auburn's defense is going to be good enough. This is where we tie back to that uh, lineup construction thing in in the first segment. Right. I think Auburn's defense is good enough to make that type of outing work. The places where I'm concerned are when you go against the teams like an LSU that have a ton of power and have instead of having your typical four professional hitters in a lineup or five professional hitters, they have six or seven mm-hmm. because you don't really that pitcher doesn't really get a break and everything is so high stakes. I worry about a situation like that taking a, a, a softer tossing ground ball specialist and saying, "Hey, whatever you do, don't elevate this fastball to Dylan Cruz because it's going to go 450 feet." Like, <laughs> so, you're, so you're saying Tommy Tanks might be an issue. I'm saying Tommy <laughs> Tanks is going to be a problem. Yes. Love it. Uh, transferring from NC State to LSU. I'm like, really? That's that's where you had to go? You could have gone anywhere in the country right. to LSU? Because uh, that's what they needed was another good player, right? Yeah, I, th- they didn't have enough. Uh, but the other candidate for that starting job, Zach Crotchfelt, the, the other true freshman, a lot more traditional with the velocity. Sits 93-94 as a lefty, which is a little bit rare. Even in MLB circles, a lot of lefties sit around 93-94, just lower velocity in general. Uh, has a two-seamer that he throws in the low 90s. A curveball was kind of his 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 breaking pitch there. Uh, isn't as efficient with his pitches and, and plays a little more around the strike zone. They actually did something fun last week where they both Nelson and Crotchfelt were pitching, one for orange and one for blue in the mm-hmm. squad game. And they set it up where they said two balls is a walk. Because we know that mechanically you can throw strikes, but we need to work on the mindset of versus, and this is really for Crotchfelt, versus just nibbling around the zone and trying to get guys to chase. Mm-hmm. Throw it in the zone. We're fine if they make contact, if it's ground ball count contact, and we can get the out. And so that was the outing 
with a two balls as they walk where Nelson went four scoreless. Wow. Because he's really embraced that I can just pitch to contact. I've got a great defense. I trust them. And a couple balls got a ride. There's a couple balls to the alley that Case and Howell had to go run down and things like that, but uh, didn't allow any runs over four innings to the first team offense. And so I think Nelson's probably your leader, but you're going to see veteran Tommy Sheehan. You're going to see uh, Christian Heberholtz is a transfer that uh, has looked really good in limited duty. I saw him on a Saturday. He was on a strict 25-pitch count for that the is, outing. That is very limited. <laughs> he faced eight batters. On that 25-pitch limit? On that 25-pitch limit. Holy Be- smokes. Because he, just, he pitched to contact. He induced a ton of ground balls, and he went through almost the entire one time through the order on 25 pitches. And again, that- I like that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's it's... It's a it's a little bit of a riskier strategy simply because defensive errors and or if a good enough hitter can make quality enough contact, but it's good enough for the most part. You still need to have somebody in your rotation, which I think also could still be that can do the swing and miss. And then I worry about defensively or in the bullpen, not having that kind of swing and miss guy back there. Talking Auburn baseball with Lindsey Crosby. We'll wrap it up on the other side, get into some Auburn football news as well. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. This is the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, joined by Lindsey Crosby in studio, talking Auburn baseball and previewing the 2023 season. We'll wrap that conversation up and then talk a little Auburn football, having had a chance to get your thoughts on the craziness that's been happening over the last couple of months here on the Plains with football. But um, Lindsey, we've talked fielding and defense. We've talked hitting and the offensive side. We've talked pitching. What are the expectations for this 2023 season coming off of another College World Series appearance under Butch Thompson coming into 2023 for Auburn baseball as we sort of wrap this conversation up? What are the expectations this year for Auburn baseball? So when you look at the schedule, right, uh, it's top five RPI schedule. Mm -hmm. I mean, Auburn is playing quality teams as far as out of conference. They have a home and home with Georgia Tech. You're telling me an Auburn team has a really tough schedule? Wow. (laughs) A really tough out of conference schedule. And not everybody does things like that. Shout out Tennessee. And so, so I think earlier you're going to see, you might see Auburn actually drop a series early, which I don't think we did last year, excluding the the tournament that we did Mm -hmm. until we got to conference play. But a regional is not only realistic, but I think very possible. I think it's you're probably looking at most likely outcome as a two seed in a regional. So not getting to host. I would love to be one of the top 16 teams, obviously. Uh, the most recent projection, or I guess the first projection I've seen this year, has Auburn as a number two seed in the Virginia Tech regional, the Blacksburg regional. Okay. Uh, who I think they were like a 13 overall seed. So Auburn was paired the the the, the higher seed if they went to Supers, would have been Stanford. So you're looking at a scenario, Auburn's probably, like, the, the most likely outcome is not is not hosting a regional. But last year, if you remember, going into the year, Auburn was projected to finish 8th in the West. And what happened? You went to Omaha as right. one of the top four teams in the in the West. So I think, I think prepare, like, understand very likely you're going to make the postseason. 
Uh, you're probably not going to host a regional. We'll be happy if it happens, but it all is going to come down to the pitching. The, the talent mm-hmm. is there on offense uh, to make it happen, to score enough runs. It's going to come down to can some of these young pitchers, your Crotchfelt, your uh, you know, your Hayden Murphy in the bullpen, can some of these young pitchers step up and be ready to go by SEC play? And then can you figure out the back end of the bullpen? They've got four guys they really trust. Uh, they, they're trying to figure out who's going to be the closer. The team has had conversations and has had some input as to who's going to be the first closer, but nobody separated themselves in the back end of the bullpen as your skipper and Burkhalter stopper type. Something that we talked about, I guess, during one of the breaks, and we didn't get an answer because we thought it would be great to ask you on the air. If you had to pick somebody, I guess on offense and then in the rotation or on the pitching staff, to be your breakout guy, to be your Sonny DeShera, who are your picks? So on offense, well, I mentioned Nate LaRue breaking out, but he's a known quantity. Yes. He's been here. Uh, I think Justin Kirby, the transfer from Kent State, playing left field, he's playing a less physically demanding position than he's had to play. I think he's poised for a big year power-wise as far as, you know, that that outfield is a very, very good outfield. Bobby Pierce, Casey Howell, mm-hmm. and Justin Kirby. But having the least demanding of the three positions is going to free him up, I think, to, to be a little more aggressive on the base pass, have fresher legs, things like that. On the pitching staff, I think that John Armstrong, the side armor, has the stuff to be a closer. That that slider that he throws looks like a Frisbee or a UFO. It has ridiculous <laughs> movement. And there's people within the program that agree with me that John Armstrong, and this is not, and not John Armstrong, I'm not talking to him about that, other people uh, that think that he should be the closer and he's going to have an opportunity. And I think once he gets in that moment, he's not going to give it up. To be the closer. To be the closer. Interesting. The sole closer, the stopper, the guy that you, it's, it's the eighth inning of the Super Regional. You got to get six outs to go to Omaha. John Armstrong is going to be the one you call, and he's going to get you your six outs. Interesting. Well, I think that's a couple of big names that Auburn fans should keep on their radar. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Hey, we're doing great, man. Hey, uh, question. Um, I, I could have missed it. I'm sorry. But um, when, when is opening day uh, here uh, for us? Opening day is next Friday. You play Indiana at 6 p.m. And then Saturdays, I want to say 3 p.m. And Sundays, 2 p.m., something like that. But Friday night is opening day against Indiana. After that first series, you're on the road to USC for the second weekend. Okay, so that's that's Indiana here at at Sanford Stadium? Indiana here at Plainsman Park. Gonna be a <laughs> gonna be gonna be a great three games. I hope we never have to play baseball in um in Sanford Stadium. I just don't necessarily. <laughs> I think the hedges are gonna yeah, give you fair. a little bit of problem. You know. Plus, yeah. I just don't want to have to go to Athens if I can help it. That's uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea where, where that came from. But, you're, um, good. you're good. Hey, uh, a random question about about a baseball game. This, I used to take my dog every every year to the park in the park. Do you happen to know when that is? They have not announced it yet. They typically do one of those out of conference and one of those in conference. It's going to be on a Sunday. Yeah. So on a Sunday. All right. 
right. pay attention to that. You'll have one come up before conference play starts, probably mid-March, and then you'll have one later in the year in conference play. Uh, tons of fun. One of the best parts of the pregame stuff for all of the beat writers and everybody is to go out and walk and see everybody's dogs and you know yeah. pet some puppers, things like that, and then go watch a ball game. It's always a beautiful day yeah. for a ball game in Plansman Park. Yeah, I usually take my last three years. I've taken my my daughter and and with us, me and my dog. It used to be just my dog, and then I have a daughter. So we all go. Just us three. That's kind of a daddy daughter dog kind of kind of yeah yeah. Kind of day. Well, it's a great thing that Auburn does, and it's very very popular. So yeah, get her a kids yeah. club membership. It gets you free admission to for the kids to all out of conference baseball games. Twenty five dollars a year. So say that again. The the Auburn Kids Club. It's on AuburnTigers.com. It's twenty it's twenty-five dollars, gets you free admission for the for the kid to all non-conference games in the entire season for baseball, as well as all women's basketball, and then it gets you, I think, out of conference basketball as well. Hmm, there you go. I, that's awesome. I was gonna do that just a minute. Thank all you. Right. I, didn't, I didn't even know about that. Auburn Kids Club. Yep. All right. Hey, man, thank you. Where are you going, guys? Yeah, appreciate the call, appreciate Shane. Good to hear from you, man. That is Shane joining us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Lindsay, I know we only got you for a couple of more minutes. Do want to quickly get your thoughts on just the whole Hugh Freeze uh, scenario going on right now where he has been absolutely killing it at Auburn in recruiting. Uh, he has done more than anybody could have imagined. Just your your impressions so far of what Hugh Freeze has done on the football side of things. I love Hugh Freeze. Uh, it's okay. In quote, in yeah, quote, I haven't been this excited about Auburn recruiting in a long time. Uh, definitely since not in the Gene last Chizik. regime. Yeah, since maybe Gene Chizik. Definitely not in the last regime. Definitely not the end of Gus Malzahn. And it's it, it's something where this tells me that Auburn's still a a desirable destination, and Auburn to a certain extent, sells itself. Now, you have to do the work to get Auburn in front of people, and I think that was something that the last half maybe didn't have any interest in doing. But Auburn's a desirable school, and I would have never thought that he would have had this great of a recruiting class. We've seen some stuff. The first full cycle of a head coach, that the quality of that recruiting class, for the most part, that is who you are. And I feel like Auburn has things in line to potentially have a top 10 or maybe even top 5 2024 recruiting class. And that signals great things for Auburn. We were close to falling out of the blue chip ratio. And I think that's those days are of the past. Yeah, Carter really, Carter's always talking about the blue chip ratio because it is so important. And now it seems to be that Hugh Freeze yeah. understands that and realizes mm-hmm. how important it is to have those types of players because. This is the SEC. You're not going to win with three stars in the SEC West by, by any means. Yeah, yeah, somebody needs to go tell the previous coach that you can't win an SEC championship on three stars and walk-ons by just getting in the playbook. It's not It's not just grit. You have to have more <laughs> than – you can't throw grit in somebody's face. Right. I think the biggest place where you see the having only three and four stars, for the most part, your top talents pretty much your, – your top guys can hang with their top guys. But it feels like the depth is where it really comes into play. You have to have quality depth when you rotate a defensive line halfway through a drive and they're gassed. Your backups have to be 90% as effective. And that's something Auburn's not had in a while. Think about the the, uh, year where carry-on gets injured and we lose the SEC championship. It's something where... You know, you didn't have the quality depth yeah. behind carry-on to carry the load when he was out. I mean, that's that's something that now in the college game, because I think the most overrated thing in the world, and I know that this upsets a lot of Auburn fans. Uh-oh, it upsets I know him. exactly where he's going. Jacob was so upset this, he threw his phone. This, <laughs> I, this idea of like, 
when is Auburn going to get a thousand yard rusher? Okay, awesome. Like it's not a under great milestone, but if I have three guys who can give me 600, 800 yards, 650, 800 yards, that's just as good, if not better, because then I'm not running anybody into the ground. I've got guys that are fresh at the end of the year. When we saw Carry on in 2017, he was absolutely gassed and banged mm-hmm. up, and that's mm-hmm. why he wasn't the same guy in the SC Championship game. He wasn't the same guy in the bowl game against UCF. And if he's healthy, Auburn wins that game. Like yeah. If he is fully healthy, Auburn wins that championship you can make game. An argument. You, yeah, you can make an argument. They continue to win out, make the playoff, and who knows? Yeah. And if you're looking for a 1,000-yard rusher, if it doesn't happen this year under Freeze, it may not. Every year but one at Ole Miss, he had a five-scholarship running back room. And Auburn has four guys in that rotation right yep. now. With, I mean, it, and if it doesn't happen with Hunter this year, it's probably not going to happen going forward because, like you said, he'd rather divide the load among three or four guys versus having two guys carry the load and have too much of the offense reliant on any one player that's not the quarterback. And there's actually going to be guys in front of him that could create holes and make and give him running lanes and what give them time concept. to develop. I know, isn't that crazy, Lindsay, to think about an offensive line and there's multiple guys at offensive line? You have this thing called depth in the offensive line? It's unbelievable I, what Hugh Freeze has done. I love the fact that this running backs room, I think you've got a bunch of guys that have different skill sets that can kind of piece together a very dynamic backfield. Mm-hmm. And right now... I mean, I think we all can agree that we expect Jarquez Hunter to have a really good year and yes. probably leave. We know the plan in 2024 is to go get two backs, so that would get you to that five scholarship back number mm-hmm. that, that you've been talking mm-hmm. about with Hugh Freeze. I still think there's a possibility Auburn looks at backs in the portal after spring, just depending on how spring goes, Maybe. if somebody gets gets injured, things like that. So, may not necessarily happen, but it's I'm, just every year but one at Ole Miss, he had I'm, five. I'm partial to human bowling ball Sean Jackson. I want to see him <laughs> yeah. get a carrier too, just because it'll go. make me chuckle. There you yeah. go. Well, Lindsey, man, we appreciate your time. I know you got to run and get over to the other side of town man we appreciate you stopping by talking all things auburn baseball season opener next weekend uh against indiana over at plainsman park and again man we appreciate you and your time hopefully to uh hoping to bring you on very consistently throughout the spring talking all things auburn baseball sec baseball even some mlb as well because that's coming up very very quickly as well go ahead and plug everything you got going on i know you're a busy man you do great work and 50 different platforms so plug them all let everybody know where they can keep up with you man if you're here for the auburn baseball writing auburndaily.com i also have tweets every single day uh, whether it's live tweeting of a game or tweeting out news articles news updates about uh, auburn baseball that's at crosby baseball um, at crosby baseball on twitter also my podcast locked on movie prospects number one minor league baseball podcast top 15 hey. baseball podcast of the entire like in the offseason top 15 baseball podcast in general heard that not just for money heard that that is congratulations Uh, on that man that's awesome locked in to be prospects available wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube again auburndaily.com for all the auburn baseball stuff well Lindsey crosby again talking all things auburn baseball we'll get to our final break come back wrap up hour number one talking some football news here on the friday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Wrapping up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Big thank you to Lindsey Crosby, who just walked out of the studio. Uh, we had him for about 45 minutes here in the first hour, previewing the 2023 Auburn baseball season, which gets going underway next Friday night against Indiana. Isn't it crazy that baseball season, it's here, man. Baseball well, season's here. I'm ready for it. I've been talking with Jack about it. Jack and I have been getting pumped up and ready for it. Uh, Softball is actually playing their first game right now. Yeah, they they are. They are, yeah. Six to nothing in the bottom of the sixth against St. John's. Hey, oh. Well, look, softball, um, softball has a lot of talent and I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year and excited for softball season excited for baseball season we'll have to uh we'll have to be sure and, and make some trips over to Plainsman Park and catch some games and um it's it, just exciting to hear what Lindsay had to say about Auburn baseball if you missed any of that conversation go and catch up on the podcast today after the show uh, you can find it there at ESPNAU.com you can find it commercial free right there again right after the show but again big thank you Lindsay Crosby go follow all of his stuff uh, his podcast locked on mlb prospects his baseball writing at auburn daily he does a lot of stuff so uh again we appreciate him coming in and like i said hopefully uh we'll have him coming in on a consistent basis throughout baseball season talking all things auburn baseball sec mlb when the braves get going again and so again big thank you to Lindsey crosby but we got a couple of minutes here before we get out of our number one and I think the biggest news right now in the SEC is the news of Texas and Oklahoma. They will be coming to the SEC a year earlier than everybody expected. They will now be here July 1st of 2024. Yeah, and they're having to sacrifice some some money. Yeah, they're paying a couple $20 bills to get out of their it's, deal over I believe there. the total value of money that is not going to come in is $100 million. That they're splitting, yes. And I don't think are, it's like 50-50 split, but yeah, it is $100 million. I, well, they're they're both basically having to to I think give basically ten ten million dollars a piece to Fox Sports to get out of their contracted games with them because mm-hmm. uh, Fox Sports gets twenty million of it and then the eighty million that was going to be their split of the Big Twelve uh, revenue is being redistributed to the other eight schools that were a part of the conference when they were there not the incoming schools that they're going to share the conference with this year. Yeah. Just to make it like really complex. And yeah, just to, just to make it a little and confusing they, and for they everybody. And also will not get a full share of the SEC revenue right. in year one. I did see that where they will, yeah, they will not get full revenue because that was just announced the other day of how SEC money was getting, getting divided up and all that. But uh, yeah, that's huge news because, again, the expectation and the thought process was that Texas and Oklahoma would be in the SEC in 2025. Well, now we move up a year. They will be here as of July 1st, 2024. So this is the last football season without Texas and Oklahoma with the 14 SEC teams that'll then become 16 and of course now the conversation has come back up about will the SEC do away with divisions at one point people were talking pods I don't think that's the direction they're yeah, going it's, it's going to be I think it's going to be no divisions you're going to have your three permanent opponents everybody else rotates I think that's everybody is in agreement on that now now it just comes down to who are Auburn's three permanent opponents, and who and how does everything get rotated around? Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting uh, theories out there, or uh, I guess predictions, presumptions yeah. that some people are making uh, for permanent opponents. 
for Auburn. And we can get into those in hour two when we have time. Has had Auburn or Alabama and Georgia, which makes sense. The third one has been rotating, which I think is in some places, some people have really uh, stuck it to Auburn. Yeah. And then in other places, Auburn's got a pretty favorable draw, draw. But regardless, we know one thing. Auburn's schedule gets easier in this new world no matter what. Yes, it does. Like, it gets easier. easier. There may be some years where it's still crazy difficult, but at least everybody else is a little bit getting a little bit of the taste of what uh, Auburn has dealt with for a long time. Right, and I don't think it's – I think it's more of everybody's schedule getting harder and getting closer to Auburn's rather than Auburn's getting easier and coming closer to everybody else, right, if that makes sense. Everybody else's schedule is going to get a little bit tougher and Auburn's going to be okay because they play the toughest schedule in the SEC every single year. Yes, I think Auburn's schedule by default gets easier because you don't – you let, you will lose one of – uh, well, you will lose Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, LSU, A&M. Arkansas, A&M. Maybe one of those sticks. Probably not. It it seems like things seem are moving to kind of picking your two permanent big rivalries, and then most of them feel like they have kind of the projections for Auburn have been picking a team out of the former SEC East. Yeah, and, you know, they've taken into consideration rivalries, geographic location, those types of things. So you will probably not see one of Auburn's permanent opponents be Missouri or Texas A&M based off of geographical things, right? Alabama, Georgia, those are pretty much guarantees. Auburn's got to play those two teams every single year, which is fine. I think Auburn fans want to play those teams every year, even though it is hard. And uh, right now, it's you're, you're having to play two national championship level squads when you play Alabama and Georgia. But that third team is what is really uh, exciting, and that's the one that's been uh, projected in multiple different locations and multiple different teams. And that can be our question of the day. We'll go ahead and throw it out there. What three permanent opponents do you want Auburn to have in 2024, starting in 2024, when Texas and Oklahoma come to the conference? So out of the three permanent opponents, who do you want those to be for Auburn and why? Give us a call all show long, 334-321-1390. And a fun reminder just for today, uh, it's the Jacob and Carter Show all afternoon here on ESPN 106.7. We're wrapping up hour number one of On the Line. We have hour number two of On the Line coming up. Stay tuned because if you didn't get enough of us, we're here for another two hours for the drive because bill and dan are out today and it'll be me and carter right here in the studio so hour number one in the books of on the line stay tuned hour number two is coming up on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday, February 10th, 2023. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway right here on the Auburn Opelika, sports leader, ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, we had Lindsey Crosby in studio talking all things Auburn baseball as their season gets underway uh, starting next week. They actually have a scrimmage today that Lindsay was heading over to right after this so uh, we talked all things Auburn baseball talking a little pitching fielding batting and talking about maybe some uh, under the radar players that you should keep your eye on on this 2023 squad so if you missed any of that conversation be sure to go and catch up with the podcast after the show today you can find it ESPNAU.com click on the podcast center it'll be commercial free right there but here in hour number two jacob goins carter bird joined by jack cutton as always on friday afternoons hello sir hey everybody how you doing <laughs> we're doing hey buddy, fantastic how you? hey buddy how you doing oh man gosh. i'm good God, well, you are to, i can't wait to do after the game with you tomorrow man wait are you doing it yeah i'll do i'll do it for like an hour and a half show and then i'll go over to the game well the okay. show's an hour and a half well i plan oh, on doing good. it are you doing it oh okay i i was planning on it oh Okay, well, I planned on doing it because I thought you had, well, I don't know. This kind of changes my plans because I was not going (laughs) to the game tomorrow because I was going to do after the game because you had Auburn High and I wasn't going to let you, I wasn't going to make you worry about it. So, Carter, can you take like the last probably 15 minutes of it? Sure. If you can, then yeah, Yeah. go to the game. Go be louder, Jacob. Okay. Well, I'm right. get louder well, that just threw a wrench in everything. At, at, at but. that point, he, he can make it to the studio for the last 15 minutes. That's I mean, true. I, yeah. I could. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll address that later, but okay. I was totally under the <laughs> impression that I was doing later. it. But okay, that's fine. Well, after the game with somebody tomorrow here on ESPN <laughs> 106.7, I don't know who's going to be in here, but somebody I, I will. I will be there. Carter at least will be here. Carter will, in fact. Yeah. Uh, Jenny may show up and hop on the air. I don't know. She Bring might it. do it. Come on, uh, Jenny. Well, we'll find out. Uh, somebody will be doing after the game tomorrow here on ESPN 106.7. You can catch that right after Auburn, Alabama basketball. That'll be live here on ESPN 106.7, immediately following the Auburn basketball game game Uh, we're going to talk about that game coming up in just a little bit but here in hour number two we are going to talk Auburn basketball what they got to do tomorrow to try and take down Alabama Uh, it's going to be a tough game should be a great environment Uh, Pearlville is um, it has emerged and there are hundreds of tents outside of Neville Arena and already. And there's signs that say no camping. Like, what is that about? Because they really thought that a little picket sign that says no camping was going to stop them. Well, that, but like, why no camping? Like, that's that's one of the coolest scenes in college basketball right now is Pearlville. I mean, ESPN College Game Day ta- is going to talk about it tomorrow. They're probably going to do a segment on the thing. Like, let the kids have fun. Mm, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, look, Auburn, like, what do you disagree? No, with? I, Auburn obviously didn't agree, but no, I'm with you, man. I mean, let them camp out, let them have fun, enjoy the moment. That's what college is about, right? I mean, I, I was a part of that. It wasn't to that extent of tents and stuff, but I got out there 12 hours early for a couple of games. The Kentucky game uh, a couple of years ago when game day was there for the very first time, uh, that game didn't tip off till like 5 o'clock. I was out there at 3 o'clock in the morning the day of. It was out there all day. So, I didn't do that. But. Oh, I did. It was, it was fun, <laughs> man. But that's part of it, right? That's part of being in college. That's part of enjoying having a good, successful basketball program. And it's also part of playing big-time opponents in the SEC, which we all know that Alabama is. And so we'll talk about all that coming up in just a little bit. But I do want to start uh, the show in the second hour 
sort of talking about what we ended the first hour with, Carter. We had brought up the news about uh, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC a year earlier than originally planned. They were thinking it was going to be 2025. It'll now be as of July 1st, 2024. Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC, and that's all sports, folks. That's not just college football. That is all sports. They will be a part of the SEC. Jack, your thoughts about Texas-Oklahoma coming to the SEC a year earlier? So not only does this have, like you mentioned, implications for football, but, I mean, I'm thinking across all sports. Like, you know, you look into basketball right now. Texas is a top 15 team, top 10 team, I think. Oklahoma just got done knocking off Alabama by a lot wider margin than they've been knocked off this year. And so I think that that immediately kind of shows you that both of those teams are ready to go um, in basketball. Of course, in baseball, Texas has always been kind of a powerhouse program. Oklahoma has had some good years. They generally kind of sit towards the middle of that conference, but they've been up in recent years. Of course, they go to Omaha last season. So um, I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to be really big additions to the SEC. Um, When you're talking about getting them a year early, I'm sure it makes financial sense to somebody behind the pens and papers and Excel sheets of everything going on. But, I mean, $100 million of those two teams to leave a year early. I mean, you know, I guess that you get some of that back in increased revenue from away fans wanting to come in and, you know, spend money because this is the first time you're going to get teams coming in from the SEC to see these places. They're going to want to go to Texas and Oklahoma. So, you know, maybe it helps there, but I I don't really see how – joining a year early really helps the conference especially when you're not getting any of the revenue that the sec is going to be giving out yeah i think when you look at this they're going to get their sec revenue i think in the long run this is a an awkward unhappy marriage between the big 12 That's, and the, i'm sorry and, and that was the other point texas is it, and oklahoma it sounds like they want out I well, think that's both, why they're paying 100 million dollars well i think both sides wanted to be done i think it's like you know those people um, during the pandemic that broke up in the middle of their like relationship when they were quarantined with their significant other, or because they spent got, too like, much divorced. time together. Like, like, <laughs> um, like, what's his name? Jay Cutler and his wife is a oh, great yeah. example. <laughs> but um, and then you're stuck with them. That's what the last what two years have been. That's yeah. what they've been. Both sides want out, and they're not like. They are not together for, like, there's a third reason, which was Fox Sports and the money that Fox was owed with their contract. That's why they've been in this as long as they have been. Mm -hmm. And so, finally, they had enough. Everybody's going their separate ways. And, uh, yeah, it'll be be good to, to add those two teams. I think it'll, I mean, obviously increases everybody's revenue and everything. Um, but some fresh blood in the conference I think is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and look, Texas and Oklahoma are fantastic schools. They're fantastic programs across a ton of sports. One that comes to mind that's not in the big three is gymnastics. Think about Oklahoma. They're yeah. one of the best gymnastics programs in all of America. Softball and is another one. Softball, that's big one. Add. Yeah, that's a huge one. Texas-Oklahoma softball is massive. That's absolutely right. Good point there too, Jack. So, no, it's exciting to have Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. So, this year in 2023 will be the last year of the SEC having 14 teams. I think it's going to be the last year that you see this uh, this uh, scheduling format because what has now been the conversation is how will the scheduling change? Will it be the 
the three permanent opponents, everybody else rotate. I think that's the direction that we're going with this thing. And we open up the floor to 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 you guys and to our listeners as well. 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open the entire second hour today. What three opponents should Auburn want and what three opponents will Auburn get because multiple different platforms and sites and people and everywhere else everybody's got their own predictions on who's going to get who right but if you look at they extend this thing to nine conference games right they go from eight to nine conference games you get three permanent opponents the other six will rotate and you'll travel there go and they'll come here and all that sort of stuff right but just looking at the three permanent opponents who should Auburn fans want in their three? And I'm not saying pick the three easiest ones, but <laughs> I, was about right, to say, I can name uh, three right now: Kentucky, Vandy, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, South Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> Bam! That's it. No, <laughs> who should Auburn fans expect to see as these no. three permanent opponents? I think two of them are pretty obvious. I think Auburn will get Alabama and Georgia. But as Carter mentioned to end the first hour, it's that third team that's really fluctuated depending on where you look. Yeah, you know, I I really would like to see. Um, and I don't know if this is maybe more of a just a nostalgic thing rather than a, oh, man, Auburn's going to win some games now because they get this team. But uh, I would like to see Florida. I'd like to see a renewing of that rivalry every year. Um, I mean, you think about the great names that come out of that rivalry, Emmett Smith, Reggie Slack, Wes Byram even. Mm-hmm. You know, we remember from 2007. So, um, you know, I think growing up, it was always fun watching Auburn in the swamp and you go back and of course the Knicks to Sanders play in 94 uh, is so famous so there's a lot of great moments from Auburn football history in that series and I'd love to see Auburn Florida kind of revived look you're gonna get stuck with Alabama and Georgia I would you're Auburn Florida's getting revived every other year that's what I'm saying I do not want Florida every year why are you absolutely not I'm not for three of the top six programs in this new version of the conference, give me Vanderbilt, give me Missouri. <laughs> if you're give talking, me an easy if you're talking win, about please competition, everything. If you're talking about competition, heck yeah, give me Vanderbilt, give me Missouri, like Carter was saying. I mean, heck yeah, I'll take that. I'm saying what I Auburn think has carried the out burden of the of most, the most difficult schedule for entirely too long. Give this freaking program <laughs> Vanderbilt. Every I year. agree. No, look, I, I I see both sides, right? I think the 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 rivalry with Florida if that were to be revamped I think that would be really really cool I agree but I think in this new scheduling format that seems to be the direction that it's going like Carter said you're going to see Florida a lot more often and I'm okay with that I don't want to play Florida every single year on top of playing Alabama and Georgia now if Auburn got Ole Miss and Texas A&M yeah I'd be okay with Florida because that's a lot more balanced right but having to play the two best teams in the conference every single year, I don't want to have to play a third team like that that is capable of beating you every single year. Give Auburn at least one game where they can feel confident that they can put a win on the schedule before the season actually starts. Okay, so let me ask you this. It, assuming that Alabama is the team that is definitely in, that's going to be the team you play every year. Let's say for some reason the SEC decides not to give the Georgia and Auburn game a renewal. Who are the two that you want in? Who, who would be the two? Not that you want in, but you well, think hey, would be the most at, likely. At that point, I'd be fine taking on Florida. I'd be fine taking on LSU. I mean, yeah, if you're, I think if LSU, you're yeah. Georgia, but if you're giving Auburn Alabama and Georgia, and if you give them Florida, that means that every other year, well, every year you're getting some version of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, 
either what Texas A and M and LSU or Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. So you've got you're playing five games every year against the top six programs in this conference. Yeah, miss me with that. That's That's, all I'm saying. Outrageous. Miss me with that. Let's get to. There's 16 teams in the conference. There's no need to give five (laughs) of them to Auburn every year. I feel like Carter's mad at me. Like I just said, I like. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. How dare you come on this program and suggest Auburn play Florida every year? How dare I come on this program and talk about how I like sports? (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to the phone lines. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Andy, we appreciate you calling in. You're on the line. Hey, what are you, Leo? Good to hear from you, man. How are you? Yeah, man, good. Hey, uh, so I put thought to this, and again, playing two national championship teams, um, even if we have an amazing team, it's hard to play them and Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you go all in, Texas hold them with pair aces every time, you're going to get beat by a pair of twos eventually. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking, you know, fun-wise, and I, I hate, you know, I'm not a big fan of those two schools coming. They're two powerhouses. And they're so far out. But so with two close schools, Georgia three hours away, Bama about two and a half hours away, mm-hmm. maybe uh, Texas A&M because they're probably the most liked, likely fr- – they're the most similar friend. Good God. They're the most similar people to us that I've <laughs> – Okay, I got you. To. I got you. People. Um, and then maybe the Grove. The Grove's awesome. And if Lane stays there, this little uh, – Love hate we have with him would be fun. So I'm looking yeah. for Texas A&M. That's like then, number uh, three on the schools that I want to just burn to the ground. Yeah, right. and I'd, I'd also <laughs> like I was an yeah. fan. talking uh, about those teams. I'd also like to kind of keep the thumb on Arkansas because it yeah. seems like Arkansas has developed this thing with Auburn where they think they're rivals and Auburn does not at all. I would love to be Arkansas able to keep beating like, them every year. Especially if you add Texas and Oklahoma, Arkansas is going to be like ninth on the list of schools yeah. I think about in this conference. And we're number, what, one or two for mm-hmm. Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, just Arkansas. I'm just thinking about the drive or the flight, you know. Yeah, um, which is fair, which is fair. And I think that's why they're taking geography into this when they make this schedule. They're thinking about rivalries and, you know, historic, and then they're thinking of geographic as well. And so I think it would be tough for Auburn to get Arkansas as that third permanent opponent. You bring up Ole Miss. I think it would be – I think it'd be really interesting for Auburn to not get one of the Mississippi schools. I just feel like that makes the most sense for Auburn to play either Ole Miss or Mississippi State every single year. Not saying it's going to happen because I don't truly know, but on top of Alabama and Georgia, I just think Auburn's going to get either Ole Miss or Mississippi State. It makes sense. They've played every year for a long time. It's one state over. That just makes the most sense to me, Andy. I agree. I think you're getting Mississippi State. And lastly, I agree with Vandy because – you you know you put us against the one and two. Why not give us the the bottom? And Nashville's yes. a fun town. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, man. Hey, I'll, I'll accept one and two if you get sixteen. <laughs> right, right. That's how trades work. All right, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, Andy. We appreciate the call, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I think the I think he brings up a good point there. I mean. You know, if you get, and especially like what Carter said, if you get the one and two, sure, you 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 are owed the sixteen. But like I said, if you get the one and let's say five or six school that you're thinking about, so you get an Auburn and maybe you get a, Florida. I don't know, Florida, Tennessee. Then who's then? Are you still? Do you still give Auburn? You know, the one that's way down the list, like a South Carolina, Kentucky, somebody like that. How far down the list is South Carolina to you right now? Twelve out of sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I well, think I'd have. I think I think I'd like, have Vandy, Missouri, South Carolina, um, Mississippi State. Well, yeah. Um, ah, uh, those are 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, not Fair too enough. bad. Interesting point that Andy Jimbo made, though. Fisher's A and M. Yes. Interesting point from Andy, though. And if I caught that right, he said he's not a fan of Texas and Oklahoma coming to the conference. That's interesting. I have not heard many people say they're not excited for Texas and Oklahoma to be here. I think it's gonna be fun. I think everybody's looking forward to the money. Um, <laughs> he mentioned the the driving distance or the travel distance, I guess, right? Yeah, but it'll be a I fun mean, trip. I mean, Auburn, I mean, Auburn goes to college station every year every other year right now i mean i get it's a little bit i mean it's not worse than what the big Ten's about to go through rutgers is about to have to go to los angeles on a tuesday night for basketball and then come back and play another game on saturday yes and back in new jersey well auburn just went up to penn state where they had a long drive now, and now they're going out to California, where nobody's driving over there. It's they weren't, they weren't driving yeah, well, to Penn State, right. brother. But, right, but, but the Auburn, thing about it is, Auburn is traveling to these bigger games that are on the other this side is the of the way country. of the world. When, yeah. when we get to this inevitable power three or power two, you're gonna travel. Yeah. You're gonna travel. Yeah, I just hate it for again for school in sports like basketball where you play multiple games a week when you're traveling and playing games in the midweek eight o'clock nine o'clock tip-offs stay in texas and play texas and oklahoma and texas and oklahoma and texas a&m all in a row probably yeah Yeah. that's probably how you're gonna have to do it we got to get to our first break here in hour number two talking about texas oklahoma coming to the sec what three permanent opponents do you want for auburn in this new scheduling format we'll talk some more about it when we come back later on we'll talk all Auburn, Alabama basketball is the showdown in Neville Arena tomorrow. This is the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on or our number we oh it's three thirty segment of our number two. Holy what smokes! Oh uh, well, I um, yeah, I got thrown off there for a second. She we went back in time in that commercial. Look, break. I'm having so much fun. I just don't want it to end, and it will not end because when this show is over, Carter and I are staying right here, and we'll have your two hours of the drive because Bill and Dan right. are out. So we will be here a total of four hours. So looking forward to that. Good thing is there's plenty of stuff to talk about, and I actually want to take a quick sidestep i know we were talking the scheduling stuff with texas oklahoma the news of them coming to the sec in 2024 coming up at 3 30 we're going to talk auburn basketball hosting alabama tomorrow hosting college game day tomorrow all that happening inside neville arena also huge gymnastics meet tonight between auburn and lsu a top 10 matchup so if you're in auburn looking for something to do uh go and uh, go and check that out but gentlemen the Super Bowl is this weekend. Yeah, baby. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. Eagles and Chiefs. The Eagles favored by one and a half. And who do you think is going to win? Who wins? Why? Who's the MVP? All that good stuff. All right. So I flip flopped on this all week because <laughs> I'm sorry, Carter. Just <sighs> well, let me see. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I think the Eagles are a much better roster. Much, they're a better team. Uh, especially at what every position except for tight end and quarterback. Yes. Um, and when you look at that fact, the fact that I don't think we've seen Jalen Hurts have to be the guy that was an MVP favorite before the injury. Uh, they've cruised through their two playoff games uh, because, well, one, the Giants, the Giants don't have any weapons on offense besides Saquon. 
I mean, the the number one receiver. They have t- Daniel Jones as their quarterback. Well, I'm not even talking about Daniel Jones. I'm talking about the <laughs> I weapons. was kidding. I was they kidding. Have, they have Top Darius Slayton as the number one receiver who, if we're being honest with ourselves, Darius Slayton's a really good number three. Yeah. Yeah. Really good number three in the NFL. Like, like one of the best number threes in the NFL. He is not a number one in any shape, form, or fashion. No. So they get they blow out the Giants in that game. Then in the second one, you go up against a team that has unbelievable skill talent. But the quarterback team or the quarterback room gets wrecked. It was already wrecked. Mm-hmm. They were down two quarterbacks going into that game. Brock Purdy was playing awesome. He gets blown up because because he doesn't step up in the pocket, and you've got a tight end blocking Hassan Reddick, uh, and he tears his UCL. And then you put in Josh Johnson, who gets hurt as well. Like I don't think we've seen this Eagles team tested in the postseason. So what are you saying? I'm kind of. I know Pat Mahomes is going to hit his big shots. I know he is. I, I don't know how many he's going to get. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to hit his. He's going to have more of them. I'm going to take the, the Chiefs. Taking the Chiefs. Wow. Okay. Taking the Chiefs. Interesting. Jack, what about you? Well, I tend to be much more of a. I think I'm closer to a casual fan of NFL football. Um, so I have not watched the Chiefs necessarily very closely this season. Um, I've watched the Eagles here and there just because they've, they've been on. Um, kind of seemingly on random channels as just the years gone on. Um, I think the Eagles, when I watch them, the offense is explosive. I mean, they've got receivers that that just about do everything. I think Jalen Hurts is having a really good year. Um, you know, you look at those two playoff games, and although you had some troubles um, or you had some troubles from the other team scoring, I think the Eagles' defense was able to step up pretty well. I think the offense is still produced what you're used to the Eagles producing all year. So I don't think that's necessarily slowing down. Um, I could see it being a shootout. Uh, I mean, I could see this going back and forth for a while. Um, I think just because I've I've seen the Eagles play, um, I think I'm going to take the Eagles in this one. I could see it being close, though, because the Chiefs have been there. And uh, Patrick Mahomes has been here before, and I could certainly see them winning. But I'll, I'll take the Eagles in this, but just because I like their offense, I think they're, they've got a, a highly explosive offense, but um, you know, certainly not going to be more than a 10-point game. See, I've been on the train, and I've been on it since the matchup was set between the Eagles and the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, I think it could be... Here's the problem is the totals at 50 and a half and Super Bowls tend to go low because teams come out sloppy early defenses step up right things happen in the turnovers right those types of things happen Philly's favored by a point and a half and I and Carter's correct where Jalen Hurts has not had to be anything spectacular for them to get to this point but he's still a really good player guys he's still a really good quarterback I think the Eagles defense is the difference maker I think they force a couple of turnovers I think they slow down the Kansas City offense if you want easy money Travis Kelsey will score a touchdown in this game so if you're if you're into that betting thing and you want to sprinkle a little bit on something Travis Kelsey is going to score his touchdown I promise you that he scored every game this postseason he will score another touchdown I like the Eagles by double digits, guys. Oh, I wow. think the Eagles win by 10-plus. I think they shut Kansas City down for the most part. I've got somewhere around 34-24 Eagles win on Sunday. Something that I do think that is a crazy, crazy, crazy stat about the Eagles is the Eagles' D line has four double-digit sack guys on it, mm-hmm. which they're really great defense, uh, especially that defensive line. I 
I just think that Pat Mahomes, I think the ankle's going to be a little bit better. I think he has – we've seen him use his mind a little bit more this postseason, and it's it's worked really well. And I think he is going to figure out a way to keep this team in the game. And when it's all said and done, I trust Pat Mahomes more to hit big shots than I do Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to have more opportunities. But Pat Mahomes is going to hit his. I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is going to hit his. Mahomes was awarded his second MVP last night as well at the NFL Honors. Mm-hmm. So Patrick Mahomes, two-time MVP, taking the Chiefs on in the Eagle or against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That'll be on Sunday. We'll talk Auburn basketball when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Jack Hudden in studio. We're about to get into the Auburn basketball conversation as they host Alabama tomorrow in Neville Arena. They also host College Game Day tomorrow for the third time in program history. We'll talk about all of that coming up in just a few minutes, but we are going to get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line. Welcome in. Yeah, I wanted to get my two cents worth in about this about this football schedule coming up. Okay, yeah. Years. Uh, I think I I always loved the Amen Corner, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we don't go with Florida, the only other option would be LSU, I think. And you're okay with Auburn playing three extremely tough opponents rather than playing Alabama, Georgia, and then taking a lesser opponent in the SEC? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you That's beat, fair. You got to beat. You got to beat the best to be the best. That's very true. That's very true. I I think where Carter and I were coming from is just, just looking to get a little of a bit schedule. of yeah, looking to get a little relief because Auburn plays such a tough schedule already. But I'm not against Auburn playing three big name programs like Alabama, Georgia, Florida. I'm just looking for a little bit of relief because look, man, Auburn plays the toughest schedule in college football just about every single year. We saw how banged up Auburn got in 2017, mm-hmm. running through that gauntlet of a schedule. If you volunteer for those three, you're doing that every year. Because I mean, you're you're gonna play Baylor in a couple years. You're playing UCLA in a couple years. Like you're signing up for ten Power Five games, and you're gonna be beat to a pulp by the end of the year when you play the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with you. I mean, I just think that I, that the Florida game for Auburn fans in the past oh, it's has huge. been yeah. a it's been fun awesome. one, one hundred percent. And so I, I think that's why I originally brought it up at least. Hey, I don't see a problem as long as we got good recruits. That's very true. If you got the talent to compete, and I think Auburn will, um, I, I, I'm I'm okay with it. Now, Spectre, I would be okay as well with having like Alabama, Florida, and somebody else, and not playing Georgia, right? I mean, I know Auburn fans like Georgia. It's a big rivalry, a long rivalry, right? But if you were to drop Georgia, I'd be okay with picking up Florida. I just, if Auburn can avoid it, instead of having to play some three of the best teams in the conference, get at least one game of relief every single year. Well, there's always, what, seven other games? Which is fair. Yeah, and those, you know, those will rotate. You know, you're looking at a nine conference game schedule, so you're three permanent, six yeah. others, you're, right? But You're going to play Florida every other year mm-hmm. in this new setup. Or, yeah, in this new setup, you're going to play them home and away in a four-year uh, period no matter what. I just would prefer 
you not to sign up for a schedule that would have five of the top six teams programs in this conference every single year, which is exactly what you would be doing if you got all three. I'm coming around with you on that. I mean, with Florida being on the schedule every other year now, I think that's yes. that's cool because I'd like to see it revived, but give yourself a break. You, Which would, you would hilariously be be exiting a world where you play the toughest schedule in college football every year and you'd be actually making it more difficult somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm all for it. I mean, bring them on. Yeah, well, and we're going to find out. Um, we'll see. Hey, listen, i got one thing to ask you before you go. Yeah. Uh, what happened to after the game last week? What, uh, what about it? It wasn't on the air. Yes, it was. We both were here. It was it. Carter and Jack last week. It was. And we the... had callers too. Mm-hmm. I, I called in last week as well. Yeah, yeah, Specter. Usually, what happens is it, it may not go live right after the game because we usually try to do it in fifteen minute blocks. And so if it if it gets done about like you know let's say it gets done like three oh five or something, usually we wait till that three fifteen mark. And so if you'll if you give us maybe like ten minutes or so every time, um, we'll be on after that. Well, okay. Now, what which game were you talking? You talking about the A and M game? Oh, well, last week or just any any well, the, any the, game it's, in it's general? The weekend games, right? It's just not, the weekend we, games we don't on Saturdays. We, yeah, we, we do the the Saturday games, and then we did a couple Sunday games. So we will be doing it after the Alabama game. Okay, so you're not doing it after every game. Then. It's just on the no. weekends, yes, on the weekends in okay, conference play. I, mm-hmm. Okay, that's where I missed you. Got gotcha. you. Yep. You. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked. And that you know, there's some clarification there. Yeah. After the game, uh, every after every weekend Auburn University basketball game, we did it uh, in non-con play. Jack and I did after the USC game. Uh, Jack and Carter are normally doing it. Uh, it'll be every Saturday from here on out in 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 uh, college basketball for Auburn in conference play. So tomorrow Auburn plays Alabama at one o'clock. Uh, we should go live. I'm going to say 3.15, 3.30. just depends on how long the game goes. All right. Sounds good, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Spectre. Good to hear from you, man. That is Spectre here on the Friday edition of On the Line. And talking about that Alabama-Auburn basketball game, Auburn hosting the Crimson Tide tomorrow in Neville Arena, also hosting College Game Day. Uh, should be a fantastic atmosphere Hoping for a good game, right? Hoping for a good one. Alabama, number three in the country. Auburn is no longer ranked. The uh, The spread has not been dropped yet. We've talked about how we hate that in college basketball. But where are we at right now, guys? Where How are we feeling about Auburn hosting Alabama tomorrow? And we'd love to hear from our, our callers as well, 334-321-1390. Jack, I'll start with you. Where is your mindset? Because you've been more positive than we have lately of Auburn basketball. So coming into the game tomorrow, Auburn hosting Alabama, how do you feel? See, I still don't think I've been overly positive necessarily. I, I don't think that this team is is downtrodden as everybody I'm thinks they are yet. I'm with um, Look, I, I think, of course, this Alabama team, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with the Auburn coaching staff and that this is, this is the best team in the country that, that's coming into your house to play you. And I think it says a lot about Auburn's environment that Alabama is only a two and a half point favorite right now. Where'd you see that um, at? on ESPN? Yeah, on ESPN. Oh, okay. I think at, that's, at least that's a thread on ESPN. Is that their like consensus pick or whatever? Is that what they think it's going to be? Um, it no, is. I think that takes into account all of the places where you would typically get a line. Yeah. Got gotcha, you. Okay. Consensus of okay. those. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, so it's two and a half. Yeah, it's two and a half. The line's two and a half right now. That seems really which low. I believe is actually down from where it was, which means. 
people are taking Auburn in this game. Yes, the line on FanDuel is two and a half as well. Yeah, okay. Because because I, I don't think Neville Arena um, gets the credit initially when the line's o- open for the advantage it gives Auburn. And here's a question for you. Do you think the fact that Auburn has people camping out for two nights has that in itself moved the line because they're like, oh, like they're serious about it. It's going to be crazy because they're camping out for two nights. Very well could. Very well could. We Look. know we we already know it's going to be insane. I mean, mm-hmm. you got college game day coming in, of course, you got the Pearl Viral section. It's people are going to be hanging on the rafters before the game even starts in this one. Um, Alabama comes in a link. Look, they're a great shooting team. Um, if I told you though, what their percentage free throw or shooting in general was, would you think that it's higher than Auburn's? I mean, you would think, and they're not a great free throw shooting team. Though. Yeah. Because well, not free throws. I mean, field goals, Oh, field oh goals, just well, overall shooting. Do you think their field goal percentage is higher than Auburn? Uh, since you asked it, probably not. It is the same. It's the hmm. same. They're, they're shooting right at, Essentially, Alabama's at 44.4%, Auburn's at 44.2%. So they're shooting about the same percentage-wise. Alabama just gets up way more shots than Auburn does because they're going quicker, they have better possessions, um, they pull down more rebounds, they dish out one more assist per game. Um, The only thing that Auburn does better is they get blocks and they get steals at a higher rate. That's what Auburn is going to have to bank itself on is playing good defense against this against this Alabama squad because Alabama's going to put up some points. You've got to limit it as much as you can because Auburn has trouble on offense. It's worth noting that when you look at effective field goal percentage, it's a little bit different because yes. Alabama is a pretty decent to pretty good three-point shooting team. And Auburn is dreadful. Auburn is 345th out of 300, I believe we, we looked at it earlier, 363 mm-hmm. teams yeah. total. So you're on the bottom 20 of the country. Oh, which yeah. has gone down in a week. They were 327 in the Tennessee game. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so they've gone down 20-something spots in less than a week. Well, I think that maybe some some teams have moved up. Uh, they've but, still I mean, gone down. Auburn, Auburn shot pretty well on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, or on well, and, and so Tuesday, to Tuesday. answer to answer your question, I think I think the thing with this Auburn team that they're going to have to do is that defensive end that I, that I've talked about. That's where Auburn is able to hold teams down. I mean, you saw it against Tennessee, you saw it against um, Texas A and M for a half or so, and then it kind of fell apart in that second half. But I think for Auburn to have success in this thing, they're going to have to be physical with Alabama. Alabama has struggled a little bit against the teams that have bodied them up. You look at what Oklahoma did. I mean, Oklahoma got their points. They scored 93 on them by driving to the rack and dishing off to their big guys underneath. I mean, they they physicaled them to death. Well, they also were dead-eyed from three in that game. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I think that that's the, that's the path for Auburn tomorrow. you got to be the more physical team, and I think that they've had some trouble doing that against the past few opponents late down the stretch, well, and that's it's why. It's also been the most physical their way. teams in the league when you look at A&M and Tennessee. I think we can agree on that. I mean, I was told after the first A&M game, Auburn's not going to see a team that physical again this year. And and then you see Tennessee, and they're relatively close to that. They can be when they want to be. And that's kind of how they, they muck up games and turn them into ugly mm-hmm. Virginia-esque yeah. uh, rock fights. Which is so ugly to watch. They but- are by far, by far the number one defense in the country when you look at adjusted oh, yeah. de- defensive efficiency. I think it's like... Because you, they have the the 
points per 100 possessions or whatever. Hmm. I think they're like five, six points clear of anybody else, which is Well, insane. I think it's like a top five defense in what, like the past 15 years or something like that? I think I saw a stat that was really i haven't seen that efficiency or something like that hmm. yeah interesting one of the best defense in a while well carter where do you sit as of right now with this auburn basketball team coming into the game tomorrow and again we know we know the atmosphere is going to be there we you hope and i think we're all it convinced will. by that because of what we're seeing already by the students fans will show up this is alabama with auburn has a chance to knock off a top five team in all of college basketball but your personal opinion, Carter, or Jack just sort of gave us his thoughts on it. You can give yours, I'll give mine. Just where do you sit right now with this team coming into the game tomorrow? I think this Auburn team, despite the results of the last five, I think they believe that they can compete with this Alabama team. I think they believe they can play with them. I believe that they know the atmosphere is going to be there. There's a lot of a lot of circumstances in their favor, external factors And I think they're going to feed off it. I think that they're going to compete. I'm not saying they're going to win. Something that I've got my eye on, Alabama plays the fastest tempo of any team in the country. They are number one in tempo, uh, especially when you look at adjusted tempo. It's, 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 they are the, have the third fastest possession length as well. They get their, their average possession length is 15.1 seconds. Yep. Auburn has offensive possessions where they're not getting into a set no. that amount of time into the shot clock. And that's that's what I was saying is Alabama gets up more shots, and so when you mm-hmm. shoot a similar percentage, that means more points. Yes, yes. But they also, like, when you get up a ton of threes and you hit them at a higher clip, like, the effective field goal percentage is not – it's not a drastic difference. Auburn's at 49.5%. I think Alabama's at 528 hmm. But they are – when you look at that stat, they are a better shooting team all the way around. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be a challenge. I don't know if Auburn has the the dudes in the backcourt to match Alabama's dudes in the backcourt. And that's been my biggest concern all week. This Auburn team is it's different than what we've seen in the past. They're not your high-flying three-point team. They're not your high-scoring, run-up-and-down-the-floor type of team. They are a defensive squad, but they're just a little bit different than what Auburn fans are used to seeing with a Bruce Pearl-Auburn squad. And I think fans are starting to understand that as we get to the midpoint in February that this team is not quite where other teams have been at this point and what they've been in the past and that's okay but you got to take all that out of it out of this equation and when you talk about playing Alabama tomorrow one o'clock in Neville Arena the number three team in the country coming into your house I'm with you Carter I think that Auburn will they will answer the call they will accept the challenge and I think they will believe they can win this game can they win it I just don't think so I don't think they can and I put that on a couple of reasons. Brandon Miller is the most talented freshman in all of college basketball. He will get his points. He will make his plays. And Auburn's going to have to find somebody to equalize him. I don't know who that's going to be. Maybe Jalen Williams, possibly, to match up his size and athleticism. Uh, But Brandon Miller is extremely good. He's the best freshman in college basketball. Like Carter mentioned, Alabama runs like crazy. They are very quick on offense, and they're not taking bad shots. They're taking quality looks on offense, and they're knocking them down at an effective rate. And so 
I just don't think, even with Auburn's good defense that we've seen over the past, really this season, I mean, Auburn's played good defense for most of their games. Even if they play defensively to the level they did against Tennessee, I just don't think Auburn could keep up with Alabama offensively, and that's my biggest worry. Will Auburn be in this game down the stretch? I think so. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Alabama's going to have to come in and win this game. But again, it comes down to late-game situations. If this thing is tied with two minutes to go, are we confident in Auburn to make the place to win the basketball game with what we've seen over the past two weeks? I don't think I am. Something I'll respond to about that with Brandon Miller. Your past three road games for Miller, 11 points against LSU, 11 against Oklahoma, 15 against Missouri. Now, he does have a couple of games on the season where he's gone for 36, 30, over 20. <laughs> yeah. But those are not – those are problem. <laughs> well, but those are – I'm saying those are in Alabama. Those are mostly in Coleman Agreed. Coliseum. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. He does not shoot it as well on the road. I think there's a path there to where – and especially you saw it against Oklahoma. He only drops 11 points, goes 4 of 14 from the field, shoots 28% for the game. I think there's a path there where if, that may, if your main guy isn't hitting shots – that opens the door for Auburn, especially if for some reason Auburn can catch fire for it seems like would be the first time all year tomorrow. But I think the path is there. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk about it, give our final picks, predictions for Auburn and Alabama tomorrow. College game day will be there. Uh, hopefully a lot of you will be there, be loud, and uh, it should be a great environment inside of Neville Arena. We'll come back, wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line Making Picks for Auburn, Alabama. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Jack Cudden in studio. Uh, we got about three minutes before we get out of here. If you missed any of today's show, uh, back in hour number one, we had Lindsey Crosby of uh, Auburn Daily and Locked on MLB Prospects talking all things Auburn baseball, previewing the uh, 2023 season and uh, if you missed any of that be sure to uh, uh, go check out the podcast that was an hour number one and then here in hour number two we've talked the Texas Oklahoma news about them coming to the SEC a year earlier now and also we've been talking Auburn Alabama basketball of course Auburn hosting the Crimson Tide tomorrow one o'clock inside of Neville Arena so if you missed any of today's show be sure to go and find the podcast right after the show commercial free ESPNAU.com Click on the podcast center. It'll be right there. And uh, if you didn't get enough of me and Carter, stay tuned because we've got the drive duty today as Bill and Dan are both gone out of town. So we'll be right back here uh, in a couple of minutes on ESPN 106.7 for the drive. So we'll do all of that. We'll be talking more Auburn and Alabama basketball, talking the Texas-Oklahoma news some more, and a lot of other stuff. So be sure you stay tuned for the drive coming up from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 106.7. But Jack, uh, before we make final picks and stuff, you've got some Auburn high school broadcast going on this weekend so plug all that where can everybody find it what time what day all that good stuff yes sir um, when they are done with the drive tonight you can switch it over to 96.3 w lee where the auburn high school women headed out to phoenix city uh, as i am as well to central high school going to be in the area championship game tonight they've already clinched a spot in the playoffs um, the state playoffs that is that'll be in birmingham next week and then just last night, uh, the Auburn High School men also clinching a spot in the playoffs. They'll be in the area championship game 
tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. That'll be at Auburn High School. Love to have you come out for that one. Anybody around, all that on 96.3 W. Lee, our sister station. Um, so check out me on there. I'll have the call for those, and um, love to have you come out if you can. Yeah, so some great games. Auburn High uh, making a run in the state tournament and state playoffs coming up next week. Uh, just a quick update, Lee Scott, girls and boys, uh, both fell in the Final Four. Girls fell on Wednesday. Boys fell yesterday to Glenwood in Montgomery, so both of their seasons come to an end in the Final Four. Tough, yeah. tough loss by the guys. Oh, tough, just, man. Oh, it man, brutal. it was a heartbreaker. Yeah, right it, it really end. was. They 39-38, I mean, that, that's a Lee Scott team that scored 60, 70 points a game, and they scored 38, and it's just... It it was a tough game. It was it was a heartbreaker for sure. But uh, Lee Scott uh, basketball in the books, but a baseball season gets started uh, in about a week and a half. So looking forward to that. Quickly, yeah, gentlemen, we've got like a minute. Who wins tomorrow? Alabama wins by less than five. Wow. I don't trust Auburn in the late game. Yeah. I. That's very similar to my pick. I think Auburn stays in this game. Um, I just I think that they have not proven themselves in – tight situations down the stretch i could see neville helping um i'll pick alabama I, but I, I don't think there is it i don't think this is one of those impossible games that auburn can't win i'm with you yeah i'm with you auburn will be in it because of it being at home alabama wins they've got too much talent apparently this is auburn's super bowl according to nato yeah. don't think i agree with that yeah, but it is what it is Alabama-Auburn tomorrow inside Neville Arena, 1 o'clock on ESPN. But we're out of time. Stay tuned. Carter and I have The Drive coming up in just a few minutes. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.